Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. Good afternoon to you, my sister, and happy Freedom Day to fellow South Africans. It's hard for me to say I will mention names of people that I wish to thank for their contribution because whatever it is both the men and women fought and died for went in vain. If you look at how the countries run today, I'm, 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 I'm so ashamed to even say that the likes of your Hector Peterson and the many like the gentleman you've mentioned, they died for nothing. Look at the corruption in the country. Can you clearly, if you if you were to put Andre Stata and his family on the line and ask them, what, who would you like to commemorate? They will give you a different answer because they've got a loved one that died fighting for service delivery. The same as the likes of your Mkrebo Lamini that have criminal records that were incriminated by this government for fighting for free basic education. Let's go to Marikana. Ask the people that were affected by the Marikana massacre, who would they like to make to commemorate on this day? They'll tell you it's pointless commemorating these people because their blood, their blood is not speaking in their graves. They are just there. They are just there. They, they are leaders. The leaders they fought alongside with that are running the country today, they are running it aground. So what's the purpose of me commemorating this day and commemorating anybody that has passed on fighting for this freedom? Because they died for nothing. People are still dying in the hands of the police like they did in the past. It's Honorable Munareng in Kailija. Honorable Munareng is responding to my question to you about how you are reflecting on this day. I've got on the line Mighty Jimmy, independent analyst, to also weigh in on, on how he feels of uh, of the day like today, how he wants to reflect on a day like today. Mighty, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. You're, you heard um, the uh, voice note that came in earlier. Honorable Munareng, what do you make of that kind of sentiment? Well, I think that those who have a negative sentiment towards Freedom Day and towards the current moment are not unjustified in doing so. Because the freedom that uh, many South Africans enjoy is a partial freedom. The current dispensation is such that, you know, while there are no um, oppressive laws, while people are not being arrested for their political views, and while people have the right to vote, the act of freedom is lacking. If you were to consider... The freedom to pursue a career of one's choice is limited based on uh, where you were born and what schools you have access to. The freedom to, you know, go to university is limited. The freedom to do a variety of things. In fact, the freedom to be free from disease is limited right now because of the quality of health care. So many people look at um, occasions such as this, which have massive historical significance and obviously are a reflection of the journey thus far. But they may feel living in this present moment that that's not enough. And then if you think about those who were born free or, you know, those born after 1994, many of them now are looking at this particular moment feeling as if they were sold out by Codessa, by Mandela, by Suru Ramaphosa, thinking, I cannot access tertiary education. I'm facing 62% unemployment and I'm facing crime in my community and my family members are dying from COVID and from other diseases without adequate health care. Those people may feel frustrated. Sure. That's you reflecting on the likes of Honorable Munareng. How do you reflect on the day? Well, I actually think that this, this journey is one that shows the challenge of not having a very competitive democracy. 
Right now, South Africa is effectively a one-party, Not let me not say one-party, let me use the correct political term. It's a dominant party state, meaning that um, government has not switched hands to another political party. And what that does is that it leads to a lack of competition uh, within the party. The party that is ruling doesn't have urgency. And it also leads to, you know, people becoming corrupt within the party at high levels. But whose fault is no, that? On, whose fault is that, you, Mighty? You know, we've got, complex, I think, on the on the register. I think we had about a hundred parties that had registered the last election. It's a complex. It's a complex question because dominant party states do benefit from incumbency. Mm. So when it's election time, they also play the game. You know, they'll go into rural areas and provide food parcels. They will do short-term projects in townships so that they can revitalize their support base going up and up to the election. They enjoy um, the legacy of being the party that liberated people and the branding of being able to say, look at our heroes, Oliver Tambo, sure. Nelson Mandela. Uh, that, that complicates it is what I'm saying. So the so, voters... So why, why does it... Shows why does it work if you have the likes of Honorable Mnaring? And I, I speak to him because he, what those sentiments that are coming through from him, I've been hearing all day today from different platforms mm. throughout the mm. day. And so what I'm asking you is why then do the food parcels uh, strategy still work um, when you have the likes of Honorable Mnaring in their numbers? Well, you know, it's interesting because some would say they don't work because... Um, you know, the number of people who actually vote versus the number of registered voters shows the discrepancy. It already shows people opting out. But also, it takes some time before disillusionment uh, in, a, in, a, in a dominant party sets in. And I think we've begun to see that in a, in a real way. Uh, we've begun to see the ANC, uh, you know, approaching the 50% mark of popular support. And we've begun to hear a conversation about coalition governments. Part of the challenge is just that it takes a long time for, uh, you know, uh, alternatives, political alternatives, to grow to a credible size where a critical mass of people can say, I'll go with those guys. We saw the DA be the first party to cross over that 20% mark, and obviously it looks like they're going into this gear now. But I think we're beginning to see more and more the fragmentation of support of the ANC. Bantu Kolomisa and several others did try to break away relatively early, but at that moment, you know, they were too early for the public and many people were willing to still give the ANC an opportunity. But sometimes the food parcels work just because people are hungry, short-term memory is a thing, and they buy into the promises that this time it's going to be different, it's a new dawn, it's a new administration. And that's all of the game of politics, you know, even some people are pointing out that even though Barack Obama did very little for black people, some black people were still very happy to choose Joe Biden, hoping for a difference, but they didn't get up to now, over 100 days later, any black people-focused, um, you know, executive action, while other communities have got some. So it, it, there is this giving another chance, um, you know, habit or pattern that has existed in communities where, you know, people have been frustrated and marginalized. Sometimes they do fall um, for whatever short-term things they are offered. But obviously that's not happening as much and as frequently as it used to. Marty, do you think we'll have the same conversation next year? What will, yeah, it take to what will it take to change this conversation? Definitely next year we'll have the same conversation. Yeah. I think what it, what it will take perhaps is 
2024. I think there's still so much that is up in the air, even as we're having this conversation. We don't know what is the shape of the ANC next week. You know, if, 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 if certain things are true, like people refusing to step down, people sabotaging the movement. So I think we'll really begin to see a reshaping of the democratic moment as we get closer and closer to 2024. And maybe the ANC will feel the heat and also reform their behavior. But I think 2024 will be the first real and aggressive race where it's a free-for-all and people can no longer rely on their legacy for support in certain communities. And there will be enough of a youth vote, which is actually saying we're not interested in your legacy, uh, your freedom credentials, show us what you've done now. But I think that for for the foreseeable future, this will continue to be a conversation Mm -hmm. because these problems are deep-seated and they're entrenched and they're difficult to reverse and the pattern doesn't suggest an improvement in communities that are marginalised. Thanks for your take there, Mighty Jamie, independent uh, uh, analyst here on SAFM. Pleasure.